This episode is brought to you by Danny the Dark Horse Adams. Pick up many green grapes, wash them and eat one. With your tongue, feel the grape and notice how chilly and refreshing it is. The crisp flesh and the jelly-like inside with its mild, sweet flavor. Grapes might seem like a time-honored delight, unaffected by time, and they were adored by the ancient Greeks and Romans, who ate them and drank them as wine. However, a closer examination of this bunch of green grapes, fresh from the fridge, reveals that they have not remained unaltered. Like so many other foods, grapes have evolved into a work of art tailored to appeal to contemporary palates. To begin with, you almost definitely won't be chewing or spitting out any seeds. Unless you are in certain places like Spain, where seeded grapes are still part of the culture. Seedless types have been developed for millennia, but only in the last two decades have they become the standard. The agents couldn't tell whether a grape was ripe or sour by biting into it. Grape sweetness is a guaranteed bet these days. Like other contemporary fruits like red grapefruit and pink lady apples, our grapes have been deliberately grown and ripened to appeal to sugar-addicted customers. Still, contemporary debittered fruits tend to have fewer phytonutrients, which provide fruits and vegetables many of their health-promoting properties. We still get energy from such food, but we do not always anticipate the health advantages. It's also novel that we're casually munching on seedless grapes. Today, millions of people with average earnings can afford to eat grapes, and we create and consume twice as much as we did in 2000 on a global scale. Fruit is one of the first that individuals purchase when they begin to have spare cash. Therefore, they are an appetizing symbol of increased affluence. They are available all year, reflecting massive improvements in world agriculture. Table grapes were a seasonal fruit 50 years ago, cultivated in just a few places and consumed exclusively at specific year periods. They are now grown worldwide and are available at all times of the year. Almost everything about grapes has changed recently and it has happened quickly. Yet, they are the least of our concerns regarding food. But one small part of a far broader sequence of kaleidoscopic changes in how and what we consume in recent years. These changes are seen on the ground in our bodies and on our plates. Life is improving for most people throughout the globe, but diets are deteriorating. In today's world, this is the bittersweet conundrum of eating. Unhealthy food consumed in a hurry seems to be the cost of living in free contemporary cultures. Grapes, too, are signs of an out-of-control food supply. Thanks to a remarkable reduction in worldwide hunger, millions live in a more accessible and comfortable world than our ancestors. This improvement in quality of life may be measured in various ways, including increased literacy and smartphone ownership an increase in the number of nations where homosexual couples have the right to marry. However, our free and pleasant lives are jeopardized because our food kills us. It's not because it is scarce, but because it is abundant, a hollow type of plenty. Food fears in the U.S. have become political due to the threat of shipments of chlorine-treated chicken on the horizon. The most pressing concern is not whether American standards are worse, but why food standards have been permitted to deteriorate significantly throughout the globe. 
In the globe today, what we eat is a more prominent source of illness and mortality than either smoke or alcohol. Around 7 million people died from cigarette smoking in 2015, and 2.7 million died from alcohol-related causes. 12 million perished from dietary hazards such as diets low in vegetables, nuts, and fish, or diets heavy in processed meats or sugary beverages. This is both contradictory and regrettable since excellent food, good in every sense, from flavored nutrition, used to be the yardstick by which we measure the quality of our lives. It should be impossible to live a happy life without delicious cuisine. Whereas plague and TB were formerly the primary causes of death, diet is now the top cause globally. The majority of our eating issues stem from the fact that we have not yet physiologically or mentally acclimated to the new realities of abundance. Many traditional methods of thinking about eating are no longer valid. However, it's still unclear what it would take to adjust our appetites and habits to the new life rhythms. We get our food cues from the environment around us, which creates an issue when our food supply begins sending us erroneous signals about what is typical. In a world where everything is for sale in an ordinary supermarket has become so sweet and immoderate, everything in moderation doesn't cut it. In many respects, this is a fantastic thing since food products have never been so accessible to get in history. Humans have always gone out to harvest food, but never before has it been so easy to gather anything we want and whenever we want it. The fares range from sachets of black squid ink to strawberries in the winter. Sushi is available at Buenos Aires, sandwiches in Tokyo, and Italian cuisine worldwide. You used to have to go to Naples to enjoy authentic Neapolitan pizza, a swollen edged disc of dough baked in a searing oven. Neapolitan pizza, produced with the appropriate dough and baked in an original pizza oven, can now be found in Seoul and Dubai. Food is a contentious issue, so discussing what has gone wrong with contemporary diet. One of the reasons so many healthy eating efforts fail is that no one wants to feel criticized about their food choices. Obesity and diet-related illness are on the increase all across the globe thanks to the marketing of fast food and sugary beverages and processed meats and branded snack items. Our society is too harsh on those who consume junk foods and are far too lenient on those who benefit. According to a poll of more than 300 foreign officials, 90% still think that personal drive, sometimes known as willpower, is a significant factor in obesity, and that is ridiculous. It makes no sense to believe that since the 1960s, there has been a rapid decline in willpower. Not our collective resolve, but the marketing and availability of energy-dense, nutrient-poor meals have changed since the 1960s. Some of these developments are occurring at such a breakneck pace that it's almost hard to keep up. Fast food sales increased by 30% globally between 2011 and 2016, while packaged food sales increased by 25%. In 2016, a new Domino's Pizza location opened every seven hours somewhere on the planet. But this isn't simply an error about one kind of cuisine or one group of people. Whether we're preparing a leisurely supper at home with fresh ingredients or ordering takeout from a fast food chain, most eat and drink more than our ancestors did. Plates are more significant than 50 years ago. Portions are more extensive and wine glasses are more significant. From green juice and detox shots to specialty sodas, it's become customary to break up the day with nibbles and satisfy our thirst with calorific drinks, just like any other soda only more expensive. 
We not only consume more burgers and fries than our ancestors, we also eat more fruit, avocado toast, frozen yogurt, salad dressing, and guilt-free kale chips. These are just some examples. Almost every nation around the globe has seen drastic changes in eating habits during the last 5, 10, and 50 years. Nutritionists have long promoted the Mediterranean diet as a healthy model for people to follow. However, according to recent World Health Organization statistics, most youngsters in Spain, Italy, and Crete no longer consume anything like a Mediterranean diet, which is rich in olive oil, fish, and tomatoes. These Mediterranean kids, among the most overweight in Europe as of 2017, now consume sugary colas and nibble on packaged meals and have lost their taste for fish and olive oil. Every continent has seen a shift from savory to sweet foods, from meals to snacks, and from home-cooked dinners to out-of-home meals of t or takeout. One thing that has significantly altered is the nutritious composition of our meals. Another is the psychology of eating. Much of our eating occurs in a new chaotic environment with few guidelines to fall back on. We are often lectured in a rather haughty manner that we should make better or smarter food choices. Yet, today's eating method results from massive impersonal forces that none of us requested. The dietary choices we make are influenced mainly by what's available and the constraints of our busy lifestyles. You'll find hundreds of different sweet snack bars in the typical Western out-of-town grocery. If we didn't have to work, go to school, save money, travel by car, bus or train, shop at a supermarket, live in a city, share a meal with children, look at a screen, even get up early, stay up late, walk past a vending machine, be depressed, be on medication, have a food intolerance, or own an imperfectly stocked fridge, it might be possible to eat a more balanced diet. Who knows what surprise we'll find for breakfast then? Our culture's obsession with achieving the ideal body has blinded us to the more important subject. Every one of any size should consume to prevent being ill due to our imbalanced food supply. No one can eat to perfect health, nor can we keep ourselves from dying permanently, which may drive a person insane. Some individuals can eat every dark green leafy vegetable on the planet and still get cancer. Even though food cannot heal or prevent all illnesses, it does not have to be the cause of death. The most critical aspect of modern eating is a feeling of balance, whether the proportion of meals throughout the day or the balance of nutrients on our plate. Every human population consumes good and unhealthy foods, but the critical issue lies in the balance. Take, for example, ultra-processed foods. There's no need to be concerned about a bowl of quick ramen noodles, possibly some frosted cereal every now and again. However, when ultra-processed foods begins to account for most of what whole communities consume in any given day, we enter the uncharted and troubling ground in terms of human nutrition. Ultra-processed food currently accounts for more than half of all calories consumed in the U.S., about 57.9%. Refined vegetable oils, such as soybean oil, are a common ingredient in fast and processed foods and have added more calories to what we eat over the past 50 years. Our food system has been preoccupied with the issue of quantity for at least 50 years. Our agriculture systems have been focused on feeding people etiquette food since the end of rationing following World War II. We did so without examining whether that food was harmful, helpful to human health. However, these are glimmers of a return to quality today. Public health officials acknowledge that food is more than simply a matter of calories in and out. 
To correct the worst aspects of contemporary diets while preserving the best, many other parts of the world must alter from how we organize agriculture to how we speak about vegetables. A sensible and successful food policy would aim to establish an atmosphere that makes the love of healthy food simpler to embrace and lower the obstacles that people purchasing and consuming it. None of this seems to be simple right now, but neither does it appear to be insurmountable. If the current transformations teach us anything, is that humans can change practically everything about their dietary habits in a single generation. Follow my social media and email me at dannythedarkhorseadams at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.